welcome to Glove Talk, your weekly news in boxing. If you're new to the channel, make sure to hit the like and subscribe button. With that said, let's get into this week's news. So first thing we're going to do is we're going to start with the fights that happened this weekend, and then we're going to get into the news going from the lightest weight class to the heaviest weight class. So first, right off the bat, it looks like Eddie Hearns and Matchroom finally had their first show back in Eddie's back garden. And overall, it wasn't too bad. Um, I thought that, you know, the way they had it all set up, it, it aesthetically wasn't too bad. I think the fights themselves were a little lackluster. I wasn't totally enthused by them. I would say that, you know, the card overall, I'd probably give maybe a C. Um, I think the, you know, presentation, everything, I'd probably give like a B. So it was like, you know, C plus overall, C plus, B minus, not, not too bad. But let's get to the main event, which was Ted Cheeseman versus Sam Eggington. And, you know, I think a lot of people like this fight for the entertainment value of it. I think that it's always interesting seeing two guys that are well matched up and, and take a lot of punishment and throw a lot of punches. Uh, so that was great. But to be honest with you, this fight great for the sense of, like I said, entertainment value wise, it was fine. But when you started looking at the two fighters and their skill levels and everything like that, it wasn't very good. Um, both guys got hit a lot and there was very little defense especially eggington was just i mean it's it's like cheeseman couldn't miss there was zero defense on his side you know um i think it was a decent domestic fight but nothing that i would be too excited for or go back and watch if i was you to be honest with you but not like i said not terrible compared to especially some of the top rank cards uh but yeah i think that for their first show back it wasn't bad i think presentation wise like i said was very good um and i actually didn't mind the setup i know some people were complaining about the fact that it sounded like they had some kind of crowd noise going on with the presentation and some people really really hated that i didn't mind it too much i didn't have a problem with it i thought that you know overall it was fine but yeah not not the best card i've seen but certainly not the worst a big step up compared to the first zone card that they had so i mean I was I was grateful for that to say the least. So next up was PBC's very first card, and that was supposed to be Fulton versus Leo for the vacant WBO title. And Fulton actually tested positive for COVID, so he was unable to fight. But they had a good fill-in with Williams. Um, overall, good card. Um, I thought it was pretty well done. I think it looked better than what we've been seeing especially from the zone i thought the main event wasn't bad at all and i am glad to hear that fulton is going to get a shot at that title um afterwards so essentially have the fight that they should have had for this one uh decent overall not bad let's see where they're gonna where they're gonna go pbc i'm very excited to see some more of their cards later this year they have some really great cards it looks like so moving on to that, now we're going to move into the news. First thing I want to talk about is, well, Polly. Polly got fired from Showtime and um, for some comments he made three months ago, actually, uh, which is kind of interesting to me because, you know, you'd think that if it was something he just made off the cuff recently, you know, he'd get in trouble with that. But it's something he made three months ago. I'm not going to repeat what Polly said. I am going to show on screen. I'm going to show you guys kind of some of the statements he made. I, I'm not sure if these are all of them. I'm, I'm sure that there's maybe some that are left out, but it's going to be right over here. So you can kind of read some of them. Pause if you need to. 
uh, and read through it. Some of it, I can see why maybe it was a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a problem, a little bit of a problem for sure. Uh, some of it, I can see where he was kind of talking about history and kind of the history of boxing and stuff. But then he kind of went into some other issues. These aren't all the statements that were made. I think there was some other stuff thrown in there um, about systemic racism also that he mentioned. I'm not gonna get into this topic too much. I just wanna kind of talk about Polly and what this kind of means going forward. I think that honestly, I'm not surprised that this happened. Uh, and the reason is because Polly Paulie's known for kind of speaking his mind and kind of not censoring himself and that leads up to sometimes interesting comments by him um, and I think that this is just one of those things that when it comes out and I, I believe the video came out not too long ago it's really bad timing man I mean this is just it's really bad timing <sighs> I, I don't know I, I think that this is a cumulative kind of thing with him I think that they're looking at this, and if I'm someone that is working at Showtime with the current climate in the US, I could be like, you know what? This could be a bad idea. We could end up with a moment where he says something either on air or off air in another interview that hurts our product, you know? And it sucks to say that because I think, to Polly's credit, he was very good at his job. I don't like Polly so much as when he was a fighter. I don't always care for his interviews and his take on everything, but he was pretty good at his job. And I, I will say that I will give him credit for that. But I think that this might not be the last time we see Polly, to be quite honest with you. I could definitely see someone else picking him up, uh, especially DAZN. DAZN needs a lot of help. Uh, they need a lot of help when it comes to their commentary, especially right now. Chris Mannix is doing other sports and it kind of isn't in the DAZN bubble, so to speak. I could definitely see Polly stepping in there. I don't think it happened right away. I think they'd kind of let all this stuff die down and kind of let the dust settle, so to speak, and then, you know, hire him on. I think he would probably fit in there well. I think he would be a good addition because their team is just so weak. Uh, they're definitely the weakest team out of all of them. Although, you know, say what you will about the ESPN team. And so, yeah, I, I'm not going to stay on this too long. I think that uh, in general, I don't think this will be the last time we see Polly. Uh, but at the same time, I'm not shocked that this has happened. So now let's move into the different weight classes going from lightest to heaviest. We're going to start off with lightweight. And the first thing I wanted to mention was Devin Haney and Gamboa look like they're going to be squaring off possibly in late September. Some people were giving uh, Devin Haney a lot of uh, flack for this. And and quite honestly, we're talking about how you're fighting kind of a washed up fighter and all this stuff like that. You know, I get it. Um, and I actually, I can understand it a little bit more. Gambo is certainly not the fighter he was. There's no question about that. But at the same time, in the current climate we are in, when it comes to the financial situation in boxing, I can kind of understand this a little bit more. It's not a great fight though. I'm not gonna try to sugarcoat it and say, I, I'm so glad he's doing this. It is gonna be his first title defense. You know, at a certain point, he is gonna have to step up in talent for sure. I think this is a slight step up for him. And I'm just happy that they could maybe get this deal done and we could be having it late September. Uh, it's just a very weird circumstance in terms of financials. Guessing that they pick Gamboa 
almost purely based on the fact that he can be someone that everyone can compare how Devin Haney does compared to Tank Davis. And then on top of it, we know that Gambo is probably going to take the money they're going to offer him. So it's a financial win-win there. So I, I kind of get it and I'm not too mad about it. So next up talking about major fights happening this year in the lightweight division, looks like Ryan Garcia and Luke Campbell are getting just that little bit closer. This was posted on Ryan Garcia's Instagram. I'll be showing that over here. And you know, the thing that was interesting, I had to dig a little bit because there's no date on this. Um, I dug a little bit through some things Ryan has said on his social media and it looked like October, somewhere in October, this fight would happen. That was good. I, I like that timing. I think it's a very interesting fight. I'm very pumped for this fight. But what really made me concerned about this fight is that this statement from Oscar De La Hoya on Twitter popped up. Now, people that hate Ryan Garcia immediately went to the idea that this is Oscar sending a message to Ryan Garcia to sign the contract. I disagree, actually. I actually don't agree with that. I don't think this is Oscar talking to Ryan Garcia. I think this is Oscar talking to Luke Campbell's team and talking to Eddie Hearn. That's my opinion on this. I think it's everyone wants to jump on Ryan Garcia, but it doesn't make sense to me that he would do this publicly on social media to Ryan Garcia. I think he would just call up Ryan and be like, hey, you got to sign the contract. That's my take on it. I would not jump on it saying it's Ryan's fault. I know people always want to point to Ryan and say it's, it's his fault. He's the diva and everything. And don't get me wrong. I have criticized Ryan on this channel before. Um, I've called him out and saying, you know, I think that he's asking for too much money. He values his social media too much. I have, I've totally done that, but I will also say that I'm not going to jump to conclusions unless I have more information and I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt on this because it just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I know Ryan and Oscar don't have the best relationship, but I don't think that their relationship is so fractured and so toxic that Oscar would do this in this fashion. I don't think we're at that level yet. So for me, this is this is Oscar talking to Luke Campbell's team, in my opinion. So let's get to the elephant in the room when it comes to lightweight division and fights. And that is Tiafimo Lopez and Lomachenko. Now, it came out on actually Tiafimo Lopez's birthday that Mike Coppinger said that he heard from a reliable source that Tiafimo Lopez has declined the contract that was sent to him for $1.2 million uh, for the Lomachenko fight and that he wants more money and that he's just turning down this contract currently. And this just sparked tons of opinions and just, I mean, people went crazy about this. You had the Tiafimo Lopez fans saying you know he this is a crazy low ball this is a terrible offer you had people that don't like tiafimo lopez saying this is a great offer i don't understand what the problem is people start throwing around numbers of gates and you know pay-per-view buys and this is what he he got last time this is what he you know he's worth this is what his social media is like people were even bringing up like well you know jake paul made this amount of money for his fight and he's not even a professional fighter it's just like 
people went crazy talking about this. It was just, it was a little bit mind numbing. You know, I like to think that the box community has a lot of opinions and it can be very interesting, but in moments like this, it just makes you just go, why, why am I part of this community? This just is nonsense. This is total nonsense right now. A lot of people had a lot of opinions, like I said, and a lot of people are so-called experts on this topic. And, you know, I'm going to give you my take. I don't claim to be an expert when it comes to this kind of stuff, but I'm just going to break it down the way I see it and how I feel about this whole situation. So first and foremost, I think it was smart of Tiafimo Lopez to make the statement on his birthday that he's not going to talk business. He's going to take the day for himself, you know, with his family and everything like that is a really smart move on his part because it is his birthday and he shouldn't be thinking about this stuff. The other thing is too, this is from Mike Coppinger. We don't know how real this is, how real this isn't. You know, that was a smart move from Teofimo Lopez on his birthday to do that. The problem I have is that his next major tweet about this was maybe not the dumbest thing he could have said, but it's up there. I mean, it's a really bad take on this situation to say that you're not going to take $1.2 million because you need to feed your family is a dumb take and is a really dumb statement when there's 40 million Americans without a job right now. I mean, you got people frantically looking for jobs right now and you're turning down 1.2 like it's nothing it was just a bad take it was a bad take now we have to be i try to be fair with these guys sometimes because i think we all forget you know they're 21 22 years old you know i don't think they think everything out before they tweet it and so i wish someone had said to you know tiafimo lopez like hey this isn't a good take man you you to re reevaluate how you're going to go about this. What I think he should have said is I'm not happy with this contract. So I'm not approving it and I'm not signing it. That's all he should have said. That's all he should have said. If that's the case, or if, if that's not the case, his take should have been, Hey, this isn't the whole story they're telling you. I'm working on it right now. That's it. You don't need to get into the nitty gritty, but if there's certain things going on with this contract that you're not happy with, just simply say, I'm not happy with this contract. I'm gonna break into my thoughts now on, you know, the actual evaluation of everything, the 1.2 million. So I don't think that that's a bad offer. I don't think that's a low ball offer. And I'm gonna tell you why I got a couple points here. So number one, for the Comey fight, he made 500K. Not a bad amount, but now he's doubling what he made for the Comey fight. On top of that, when you look at Tiafimo Lopez's resume, he's only fought one champion, and that was Richard Comey, which was a very short fight a year ago. So it's not like he has a long track record here. Number two, another thing that people like to bring up is, well, he has a great brand. No, he doesn't. He doesn't have a big brand. Lomachenko has 1.8 million people that follow him on Instagram. If we're going to use that as, as a benchmark, which a lot of people like to use, you know, in boxing now, compared to Tiafimo Lopez, who has 168,000 followers. So he has a much smaller brand than, than Lomachenko. It's not even close. 
It's not even close. So you can't really utilize that as he needs to make more because of his brand. You can miss me with that. That's just that's just nonsense. Number three, a big part of this is I think he would have been closer to that probably two million. I see people throwing on the two million number. Oh, he should make two million. He should be make two million. A lot of people, he probably would have made two million if this was normal times and there was a gate and everything like that. So that's, that moves on to the next big thing. There is no gate for this. So if there's no gate for this, that's a substantial hit financially for this fight. Then you add on top of it, there's now reports that this might not be on even pay-per-view. So it's not even gonna be on pay-per-view. There's no gate. I mean, I'm sorry. Like there, there's just the money that was gonna be there for this fight is not there anymore. It's just not. Um, add on top of it that, you know, ESPN, they're having issues alone. I mean, ESPN just have their lowest ratings in the history of the company. That doesn't help anything. I know that that's not, you know, top ranks fault and that's not something they can control, but at the same time, you know, it's not like they're helping out in the situation either. It's not like they're throwing money at Bob right now to say, we need this fight. They don't have any money. They're losing sponsors. They're not doing well as a company overall. So when you factor in all those things, in fact, it's a global pandemic right now and that the stock market and the financial situation in America is just melting down. I just don't think that 1.2 is a bad offer. I think he would have gotten two if it was just a regular you know, fight and we had a gate and it was on pay-per-view and everything else, but it's just not. And so if he's not happy with that and he wants to wait until next year till things you know, get back to normal, that's fine. I mean, he's gonna have to deal with people saying he's ducking Loma and it really doesn't help how hard he went at Loma. I mean, he's been calling out Loma for a while now. And when you post relentlessly on social media, saying you know this that and the other thing about loma hey i want to fight you i want to fight you want to fight you calling him out non-stop you get offered a contract which is your highest paid that you would have ever made in boxing especially with a very you know limited resume i'm sorry you just you look bad you look really bad and i i hope they can fix this and hopefully they can get this going forward but until they do, I mean, just not a great situation if you're Teofimo Lopez, in my opinion. I think that he could have handled it better, but at the same time, like I said, I mean, the kid's 22 years old. I couldn't imagine how I would have handled it. I probably would have done a lot worse, but that's just my take on everything. So moving up in weight, now moving to welterweight, Virgil Ortiz is talking a little bit about, you know, how he wants to fight you know, a former world champion. I think this is a great move. I think it's a very smart step up for him. Um, I think everyone's very excited about him. I saw a lot of people, you know, really talking him up. A lot of people, you know, online thinking that he can be really special. So I'm glad to see this. I wanna see those smart progressions from him. I wanna see him, you know, go from Samuel Vargas to someone that's a little bit better. Obviously he's, taking his time because you know there's no reason to rush him into like an earl spence fight um you know crawford fight right away it just doesn't make sense so i think this is a smart progression and i was actually really happy to see this speaking of champions at welterweight interesting enough uh gary russell jr decided to call out you know terence crawford and said that he wanted to fight him at 147 pounds i don't really understand this it just doesn't make any sense Gary's not even fighting at lightweight right now. So 
they're like three weight classes apart i i don't really understand why he would call out terrence crawford it was really funny if you i think if you go on terrence crawford's social media he posted a video basically ver verbally backhanding you know Kerry Russell pretty badly about it. So um, if you want a little bit of an entertainment, go check that out. But yeah, I don't really understand this. Uh, another person calling out Terrence Crawford was, you know, Kel Brook. Apparently there was a an offer maybe put out there for him. Um, he was at, he was approached by Aram apparently, and he says he wants to fight Crawford. He's very excited about the idea of fighting Crawford. I don't hate this fight, um, especially if the money's right for this year and we can get Terrence Crawford in the ring this year. Uh, I don't mind it. You know, obviously Spence is tied up uh, and we'll talk about that fight in a little bit. But, you know, it's not a bad stay busy fight for him to fight Kelbrook. Kelbrook isn't a bad fighter. Um, you know, I think if he's going to, you know, wait out the rest of the year, I, I just don't see why. Why not? I mean, make a little bit of money get in the ring make sure that all your skills are sharp it just makes sense to me if you ask me but that might not be happening purely because there was talk about pacquiao and crawford fighting they were saying like 11 14 i saw that being thrown under 11 21 um there's nothing concrete about it but there has been talk about that which that makes a lot more sense if you know they're talking about the fact that he's not interested in fighting someone like a Kell Brook now. Um, I bet you that this would probably not work out, and I'll tell you why. Why would you have this fight this year with zero gate? Why would you have this fight right now when people financially might not be buying pay-per-view as readily? I just I don't think this is a smart fight. I think this would be better off next spring. I would take the Kelbrook fight, stay busy. And if you want to have the Pacquiao fight after that, have that afterwards in springtime when you can have a full gate, you can really promote it well. I think rushing into this and trying to have it in November just doesn't make any sense. It just, it really doesn't make any sense. I'm not even talking about these guys being in shape. I'm sure both of them are in great shape. I just don't get it. I don't understand why you would rush the promotion for this fight. It's just too big of a fight. I mean, especially a Manny Pacquiao fight. Like why? It just, I don't, I don't get it. So, you know, that's my take. Take the Kettle Brook, set up for M Manny in spring. And that's what I would do. So going from Terrence Crawford to Earl Spence, Earl Spence and Danny Garcia has signed contracts and everything is set up now. I'm excited for this fight. I think it's a great fight. People are a little bit nervous in general about him since he's been back. Um, he hasn't really had any fights yet and people are kind of looking for little things here and there. There was this kind of ridiculous article that came out. I'll show it to you right over here. Talking about his mental state. Um, I'm going to play the video for you that they're talking about because they try to make it seem like he's a crazy person. And I'm just going to kind of play it for you real quick. Oh, well, power to that it was sweet, man. So if you don't know what Earl Spence said during that clip, he was saying and yelling at coyotes that were messing around with and kind of getting around his calves of his cows. 
and he has his AR-15 there with him and he's basically saying you're messing around with my cows and basically looking at like maybe shooting them if, if they're messing around with his cows. And so that's why when I see this kind of statement from this article that like people are worried about his mental state. So let me just break this down so it's really simple. So a dude in Texas on his farm is yelling at coyotes for messing around with his cows and he's he has an AR-15 with him. That sounds like Texas on an everyday to me. Like that doesn't sound like anything new. Like that's just Texas, dude. Like I, I I'm sorry. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just me because I'm I'm a firearms fan and everything like that. Like and I I go hunting and stuff. Like I this just sounds like Texas. I I don't I don't get it. I, <laughs> maybe I'm missing something. But like to me this seems pretty normal. Um, so I think he's fine. I think he'll be great in this fight against Danny Garcia. I think, you know, Danny Garcia had a lot of success at 140. Um, I think he's struggling a little bit more at welterweight, obviously. Um, I think the talent there is substantial right now and that he's, he's struggling to kind of break into that more elite level. So, you know, th that being said, it's not like he's a, he's certainly not a tune-up fight. So I have to applaud Earl Spence for this and I'm very excited to see how he does and I think if he goes in there and he just dominates Danny Garcia, I think we are going to see, you know, a lot of people making statements about him and Terrence Crawford. Terrence Crawford is getting up there in age and, you know, his last time out, he wasn't super impressive. Obviously, he got the stoppage, uh, but he was struggling a little bit and it just makes you think, you know, if... Spence goes out there and dominates, you know, is it the right time for him to have that step up fight and eventually actually square off with Terrence Crawford? I'm hoping for late 2021. If you ask me, I don't know if it's going to actually get done, but hey, guy can hope, right? Okay, so now we're going to be moving on to middleweight. Uh, gosh, I don't know how often I have to talk about Billy Joe Saunders, but I'm going to start off with Billy Joe Saunders and just simply say there's talk about him fighting Demetrius Andrade or Calum Smith. Now, I'm not saying that this can't happen in 2020. I'm just saying that he is probably not going to get to pick because there's this uh, that pops up, which is that those are exactly the guys that Canelo is looking at. And now Canelo is also, you know, it's, he hasn't said it officially, but it's looking like September 12th is probably not going to happen, uh, especially with Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. creating a lot of buzz, having the same date. It just doesn't make a lot of sense because he's also having issues with DAZN, which I talked about last week. So, you know, depending on who he decides to fight, it seems like I'm probably leaning towards Callum Smith. Um, if he does take Callum Smith, maybe, you know, Andrade and, and Billy Joe Saunders go at it. I think they'd probably have that at middleweight. So... I don't know who, you know how this is going to shake out yet just wanted to kind of update you guys on this stuff it's just it's really frustrating talking about both billy joe saunders and canelo because neither one of them can can really commit to who they're fighting i'm more frustrated um you know with canelo in particular because i'm more excited to see who canelo fights especially if it's another champion and there's belts involved uh one fight this year would be good but he also needs to set up himself for next year and figure out how he wants that to be. Maybe he has this fight and then it's Billy Joe Saunders in the spring 
um let's see how it all kind of plays out from here staying at middleweight now so we have devachenko and charlo it looks like they're gonna be late september too going um for that fight and i that's they're targeting the 26th i'm super pumped for this fight i am so excited for this fight um i think it's great it looks like they're going to maybe do both charlos on the same day i've been hearing you know different kind of setups like where you know one charlo fights uh earlier in the day and then another later in the later at night um i don't know how they're going to really break it out but it is going to be pay-per-view now some people were upset at this being pay-per-view saying that charlo's charlo brothers aren't big enough for pay-per-view i don't really know at this point <laughs> like if you'd really if i would really go that far to say that i would have to say that in comparison to some of the their opposition i would say yeah it's it's not a paper they would not be pay-per-view for those fights for this fight though for devichenko i would say you could probably put that on pay-per-view um i think that's a solid enough fight at least to us you know people that know about Devichenko, he's obviously not like a triple g or a canelo where they have uh, a bigger casual fan base but i mean Devichenko is a really really solid fighter um i could definitely see this being a pay-per-view and regardless i'm going to be tuning in for it so moving on from that i'm going to go actually straight to heavyweight and some news about aj and pulev it looks like they're targeting december 5th or 12th to have their fight i'm I'm just glad this fight's going to happen this year. It really sets a nice pace for next year. The Usyk fight maybe being in the spring for Joshua and then having the mega fight with Tyson Fury if everything works out in late 2021. So moving on, staying over there in the UK, it looks like Usyk and Chizora are trying to be rescheduled for October. I don't know when this fight's going to happen. Um, it's been moved around. It was supposed to be in September. And now it's looking like October. I'm just excited to see these guys. Uh, I'm more excited to see how Alexander Usyk really does as a heavyweight. You know, his first fight really wasn't much. I'm really excited to see how he does against someone like a Derek Ch Chisora. I think Derek Chisora for him is a, it's a really good benchmark to see how well he does against someone that's more full size uh, as a heavyweight so i'm excited for this fight i can't wait to see alexander usik back in the ring and derek chisora quite honestly i mean who doesn't love derek chisora press conferences right i'm gonna think i'm gonna end the the week on this is it's just very interesting that roy jones jr now is talking about fighting anderson silva after having the mike tyson bout i don't know what it is with roy and fighting but he just seems like he doesn't want to stop and I really hope he does. I don't see the point of finding Anderson Silva. Uh, you know, Anderson Silva is, you know, Hall of Fame UFC fighter. So I don't really get the appeal of seeing them really square off. They're just, I, I guess maybe because they saw what Conor McGregor did with, you know, Mayweather. They think maybe they can do something similar. I don't know, but, uh, it just it just doesn't seem very appealing to me so for what that said if you're new to the channel thanks for stopping by 
hopefully you'll subscribe if you enjoyed the video make sure to hit the like button little side note i just wanted to kind of point out i am releasing all of these also on itunes and spotify so if you want to you know just listen to it instead of just getting the video version it's also available on there and with that said we'll talk to you next week thanks